0: Philippians chapter 1, the end of verse 18 through verse 30. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in Him but also suffer for His sake, engaged in the same conflict you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Grass withers, the flower fades, word of our God stands forever. Joy is one of the most sought-after and most absent realities in our world today. This this pursuit of joy, this pursuit of happiness. All the places that we are convinced joy will be found... We do not end up finding it there. And I, I don't know if that's a tough sell it, it, with the, the crowd that we have here. You spent most of your life searching for joy. And, and then when you, you get the thing that you thought would finally make you happy, it maybe does for a second. But then that begins to fade or evaporate. It doesn't finally satisfy Our culture is convinced that fame, everyone applauds you, and wealth, you can have whatever you want, is what will make you happy, right? We are convinced if you could just get to a certain level of affirmation from your peers in the world and buy as many houses and boats as you want, then that that means joy. But it's blatantly clear that fame and wealth... um, It's not working for our elite, right? And I won't mention any names, but the news is always plagued with these famous people who end up um, obviously not very happy with their lives. And the the press is always shocked. How can this person who's got so much fame and fortune, how can they be so dissatisfied? And they're, they're shocked with this revelation that all the things we think will bring us joy in the end don't really end up bringing us any more joy. They, they, the people often at the top of where we think you'd be most joyous are the ones who are often the most depressed because they've, they've well, where so many people are deluded, I'll be happy when they get there and find out. No, this is, that wasn't the answer. Everyone is seeking happiness. And finding happiness in this world is not easy. How can joy be found when this world is so difficult? Even if you have a good month, a good six months, a good few years, we all know the days come along when life does get difficult. In the midst of all kinds of trials, where can joy be found? And even more difficult sometimes... In the mundane, routine, day-by-day boredom of life, where can joy be found? So let's say you're not on some horrible uh, illness, some horrible thing going on in your life. Let's not say things aren't terrible, but maybe things aren't you know gloriously great. You're not on some vacation somewhere either. You're just going to work, doing your job, going home, eating supper, uh, Separating children sometimes into their own corners and then going to bed dog tired. And and just the just the routine day-to-day of life. Do you mow the yard, you watch a little TV, you just you know, you you talk with your friends, you go to bed, just mundane, routine. Where can joy be found when life is terrible, when life is good, when life is just routine? And this morning we're gonna get important insights. Into the joy that filled the life of Paul. Our main idea for this morning is that Christian joy is when Christ is honored by our enjoying him above all else. Christian joy is when Christ is honored by our enjoying him above all else. Christian joy. This is going to be our main idea for this morning. Paul begins this section. You remember last week... Paul's in prison and he's, he's gone through uh, just this desire for unity. He's glad because he has partners in the gospel. He says, I rejoice because of their partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And then we have Philippians 1, 6 i I'm certain of this. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. He's thankful for partners in the gospel. And he's thankful that even though he's in jail... The gospels being proclaimed, the whole imperial guard and all the rest know that Paul is imprisoned for Christ's sake. He has people who are proclaiming Christ. He says at the end of our uh, end of our section last week that there are some who proclaim Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others do so out of goodwill. Paul asked the question, "What am I?" You know, if people are doing it thinking to afflict him in prison, this is all here in your text from last week. If if they're Thinking to preach Christ, to afflict Paul, what's he supposed to think? And what does he say? Only this, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Paul was so gospel-centered, so gospel-consumed, that so long as the gospel is being proclaimed, he rejoices. And then he moves on to our verse eighteen B this morning. I, in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. He says it again. I will rejoice. He is going to rejoice. Why? Why, why is he going to rejoice? He concludes that opening thought by speaking his joy of his joy that rather those who proclaim Christ are doing so out of love for him or out of an effort to hurt him. Either way, he rejoices, and then he continues. Yes, he will rejoice. Why? I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, verse 19, this will turn out for my deliverance. But what is the deliverance that Paul is speaking of? Okay, this is right here out of your text. Uh, This will turn out for my deliverance. The Greek word there is soteria, Um, and and so if you study theology at all, I mean, the soteria sounds familiar to you because there is a under theology proper, the study of God. You have the study of soteriology. Soteriology says how you hear how soteriology is familiar to soteria and it 's the study of how you are saved, what, what salvation is soteriology is the study of what salvation means, and so Paul here is speaking about his soteria he is convinced this will turn out for his deliverance or his salvation, so is he speaking of in this section? Maybe he means, he's, he's certain this will turn out for his deliverance, he's certain he'll get out of jail. Is that what he means? Maybe he's just saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to rejoice because I know, I, I, you know, I see the future and one day I'm going to get out of jail. Is that what he means? Well, no. You look down in his text and he says, um, right into verse 20, Christ will be honored in my body, rather by life or by death. Paul is not convinced he's going to get out of jail, or his deliverance is not about getting out of jail. That is not his hope, that he'll be delivered out of jail. If, 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 that is where he's, if that is not where he's going, he's saying that he will end up either in life or by death in this whole big conversation. To live is Christ, to die is gain. That is not the deliverance that Paul Is thinking of, so when you when you come through this section, you're forced into deciding where you stand on Paul. What kind of a guy is writing here? Paul is stuck in jail. He's looking down the barrel of what's coming. And it's either deliverance, he's he's saying, I rejoice for my deliverance. And if he doesn't mean deliverance from prison, what deliverance is he rejoicing in? Paul, because of his ability to rejoice, is either a complete nut bar and shouldn't be trusted. Because who in their right mind is going to rejoice though death is on their horizon? If he's going to be executed by Nero, which he is going to be, how can he rejoice? Either Paul is a nut bar, and we shouldn't listen to him because he has lost it that this man in jail, looking down the the barrel of death and rejoicing, he's lost it, or else Paul has something And he is this example of the most fully liberated and truly joyful Christian that we see in Scripture. That he can look in the face of death, of suffering, of trial and difficulty and say what? I rejoice because I know this will turn out for my deliverance. Where you land on that question, is Paul a nut bar or does he see something that all of us need to see? Where you land on that question will make everything, will change everything about your life. And I say that because... Not because of the impact of Paul, because the life-altering reality that empowered and produced such incredible joy and confidence in the Apostle Paul is the same foundation that will enable you to look at the future of the uncertainty of your future, to look at the uncertainty of your future and yet still rejoice knowing with Paul that no matter what happens, I am confident in this. This will turn out for my deliverance. Christ will be honored in my body rather by life or by death. He goes on in verse 20 to speak about this eager expectation and hope. Deliverance will not leave him ashamed and therefore produces in him this confidence. This confidence that no matter if it's going to be a soon death or a long life, Christ will be honored. This is Paul's passion that Christ would be honored in his body, whether by life or by death. He has an unquenchable passion for Christ's value to be put on full display with all that he has. What is your driving passion? What do you want to see happen more than anything? What do you want to have accomplished? What do you want to do if you could, you know, we all set up, you know, what are we living for? And, and sadly, I think that it's, uh, our, our world is often just lulled to such sleep and complacency and boredom that many people really do live an almost passionless existence. And this is a worldview that doesn't see any God, doesn't see any overarching narrative to life, any overarching purpose. And when you look out at the world and you see no grand reality, you see no grand creator, you see no grand storyline, there is no grand purpose, no grand meaning, then honestly your life doesn't have any grand meaning either. It's all kind of nonsense. But if there is a God, which we contend that there is, there is a God... There is truth, there is reality, there is purpose, there is meaning, there is objective real value. If there is, if all those things are going on, that means there is truth for you. There is purpose and meaning for you. There is something to be passionate about. You exist for God. He has made you. He rules over you in creation. And if you are his through faith in Christ, you're doubly his. You are doubly his by adoption through, through faith in Jesus Christ. And so you say with Paul, the passion that we are to be living under is to mirror this passion of Paul. That whatever happens, Christ will be honored in our lives. It's what Paul encourages this church to Go down to verse 27. He's saying, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. So that is that they would live lives that make the gospel look like the good news that it is. Live lives worthy of the gospel. So that when people look at you, when they look at the Philippian church, they're living their lives in such a way. Standing firm in one faith. Strong, striving side by side for the faith in the gospel. They're living with this conviction, the the good news of the gospel, that when people look at them in living for the gospel, they see the good news that the gospel is because of what they are displaying with their lives. When they stand firm, when they strive side by side for the faith of the gospel, they're not frightened even in opposition. Why? All the opposition can do is take their lives. All the opposition can do is kill them. So they they live in a manner worthy of the gospel because all the opposition can do, the worst that can happen to them is just death. Is just death. That is crazy talk, isn't it? I mean, I hope I said that. Wait a second. Um, The worst that can happen is death. Yeah, that's the worst that can happen. And, And Paul's saying, and I rejoice because the worst that can happen is death. Why should our lives honor Christ? What, what, is, what, if, what if I want something else with my life? You know, what if I don't want to make God look glorious? I don't, I don't want to honor the gospel. I don't want to live in a manner that makes the gospel look glorious. I want to live for myself. Why should God get my life? Isn't my life my life? Why does, why does it need to be lived that God would be honored? Paul states and stands for these realities and lives for these truths out of an attitude of joy. Out of an attitude of joy. He rejoices. Says it again. Yes, I will rejoice. How is he able to say that? I want to know Paul's secret. I want to know what's going on with Paul. I can't run from the reality that I am made by God and I therefore I owe him everything. I can't run from that reality. I am a speck. I'm a flower quickly fading. I'm the grass that springs up and withers away. The wind blows over it and it is places no, no more. Psalm 103. That's me. God is huge. God is creating, has created everything. He is huge and I owe him everything. And I can't avoid the blazing light of the gospel that tells me I'm not my own because I was bought with a price. 1 Corinthians 6.20 I want to and I, I must know how to embrace the reality that that this desire of I'm living that Christ would be honored and to live with it in such a way that honoring Christ, that Christ will be honored in my life is not a burden of duty, but a joy. It's not a burden of duty, but a joy. So that when we're talking about Christian joy is when Christ is honored, it's like, wait a second, <laughs> That is, I will, if, if Christ is honored with my life, how, am I, how is that my joy? I, I, I want to be happy, and here I am spending all my time trying to live so that Christ is honored. Why? And these feel like they're at war within us. How does Christ being honored with our lives, either by living or by dying, mean our joy? Christ is honored with our lives, either in living or dying, because our joy is in Him, we don't have to fight between Christ being honored with our lives and searching for joy. You don't have to fight between these two things because they both terminate in the same reality. Here's what I mean by this: County Fair is going on. Last day is today. Is this the last day or Monday? Today is the last day, so it's too late. Oh, you can go out this afternoon. Enjoy the uh, sale, the auction. We went out Friday. That doesn't matter. Pointless to share that. Anyway, uh, we went out Friday and went and did all. We checked the exhibit place. We went and said hi to all the horses. Don't touch them; they might bite. Uh, walked through the pig's uh, barn. Jana said hi and awe to every pig she saw. And went through the cattle barn. Went to the commercial building. Got Hawaiian shave ice. Jumped on the 2,000 degree inflatable houses and all that good stuff. And we went to the concession stand. And got a few things. Uh, and as I was standing there, they had the list of pies were for sale. I didn't, it wasn't on the outside sheet. But inside, you got to look inside. There's a sheet, has pies for sale. On top of the list is strawberry rhubarb pie. Uh, I'm, I'm all in on that. So, you know, that's, uh, I didn't, at that point, I didn't care what it cost. I want a slice of strawberry rhubarb pie. So, you know what happens? I order, I'll take a slice of strawberry rhubarb pie. What do they say? We're out. Okay, So here's my question. Was Was strawberry rhubarb pie honored at the fair this week? Or were people made glad in having strawberry rhubarb pie? Both things were going on at the same time. Because strawberry rhubarb pie is delicious, the people that ordered it and got it enjoyed it. And strawberry rhubarb pie was honored as the delicious pie that it is because people got it and enjoyed it. These two things are the same reality. In the same way Christ is honored in our lives, Christian joy is when Christ is honored by our enjoying of Him. That is how when we treasure Christ, when we we value what we have in Him over all other things, Christ is honored. And so Christ is honored is not in competition with our joy, but they're the same reality. That God is glorified, that Christ is honored, and our joy in treasuring that which is of most value. You cannot have anything more valuable than God Himself. He is everything. So Christian joy, your joy is not at war with your life glorifying God. Your joy is not at war with Christ being honored. They're the same thing. When you treasure Christ and enjoy Him and the gospel for all that it is, Christ is honored. And the two things come together. You know, I really, I like all of you. You know, even those, I, I enjoy spending time. And, and if, if we had, if, if I had free time, I wouldn't mind sitting down with any one of you and talking with you and having a nice conversation. But to be honest, I don't say it's to hurt your feelings when the end of the day gets done and I've carried mail all day and, and done some work up here and played with the kids in the yard and fought through a bath and a book time and put the kids to bed, I only want to sit with one person. And it's my wife. You know, I, I, wanted, I want to go sit on the couch for the last exhausting 15, 20 minutes of the day and just hang out with my wife. Now, is that that isn't to diminish all of you. I do like you. I, but but, I, but I, like, I, I, I like my wife, right? So the question is, is my wife being honored there, or am I enjoying my wife? What's I don't get to the end of the day and say, well, you know, I'm supposed to honor my wife, so I guess I'll sit here with her so she's honored. <laughs> That's what I'm supposed to do. I married her, I should honor her. No. It, but, but, but at the same time, I do it because I enjoy it, but also... She's honored over all of you, right? Because I'm not, I'm no offense. She's the one I'm sitting with. They're not at war with each other, right? They're the same thing honoring Christ, glorifying God, and enjoying Him are the same reality. When you treasure Christ in the gospel above all else, finding your joy in the gospel, you honor Christ and everything, and you are filled to overflowing with an inexhaustible joy. Christ is honored, and your joy is full because of what you have in Christ. So it requires us to have accurate knowledge of what this gospel is. What does the gospel do to you? have to have, in order for strawberry rhubarb pie to be honored, for you to enjoy it, you have to know that your life is empty without it, and that it tastes great, and then when you taste it, it is a wonderful event. When when cry for Christ to be honored, for the gospel to be enjoyed, you must have a full understanding of what this gospel is. You were lost and dead in trespasses and sin. You were cut off from God. You were without God and without hope in the world. Ephesians 2 tells us. Lost and dead in sins and further under the wrath of God. Colossians 3 tells us that because of these things, these sins we all walk in as we are separated from God, the wrath of God is coming. What does you are cut off from his promises? What does God do in response to that? He sends his son, Jesus Christ. Incarnates, puts on flesh, lives the righteous life we all should have lived, and dies the death of a sinner. Why for you, church? every one of you sitting in here, do you hear me? Christ's death is big enough for you, for you, for your sins to be forgiven. That as you come to Him in repentance and faith, looking to Christ, His work on the cross, trusting in His righteous life and in His sacrificial death on your behalf, you know what happens? God washes you white as snow. And you are forgiven of your sin. And further, you are adopted into the family of God. This deliverance that happens in the gospel is not just deliverance like the... Like uh, Sheriff Sabaki kicks you out of the jail and says, good luck, here you go, and, and just sets you out on the street just to go back into jail again later. That's not the deliverance that God brings. You are delivered out of slavery, out of bondage, and into his family. You become his own child. That's what the Galatians 4 passage was talking about. This is a true deliverance. You are adopted, out. you are brought out of bondage and slavery into his family, never to be forsaken again. That is what the gospel is. Never to be abandoned Thrown in jail, whether life or death is on your horizon, you are never abandoned because the gospel has brought you out of bondage and sin and slavery and into the family of God. That's the gospel. That's what Paul thinks on when he says, I am certain that no matter what this life brings me, this will turn out for my deliverance. And so, yeah, you know what? I rejoice I rejoice in whatever comes my way because no matter what, this grand reality cannot be stolen from me. For me to live as Christ, fruitful labor, and to die is to gain Christ. And to die is to gain Christ. That's what he's saying in all of this talk. Paul is saying to live means fruitful labor, to live as Christ. He goes on ministering Christ, preaching about Christ, speaking of Christ, honoring Christ in his life by rejoicing in the gospel and what he has in Jesus. And if he dies, guess what? He gains Christ. He goes to be with Christ. When the Christian lives settled under that joy, they are a living testimony to the world of the high value of Jesus Christ. You can throw whatever you want at me, world. You can throw whatever you want to me, opponents. You can throw whatever you want at me, sickness and disease and suffering and sorrows. You can throw whatever you want at me, but I am certain of this. Christ will be honored in my life. Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, because I'm certain this turns out for my salvation. This turns out for my deliverance. Paul ends this section by pointing the Philippians to gather around this gospel, stand for it, strive for it, put their joy in it above all things, and it's a sure sign to their opponents of their destruction, but of the Philippians' salvation. It's a sure sign to the opponents that they are dealing with a people who are bought and satisfied by something higher than any enemy can take away. Is your joy there? Like Paul's? Is your joy there like Paul's? A joy that you are certain turns out for your deliverance, the ultimate deliverance, final and full salvation that comes from God? That is where joy is to be found. Christian joy is when Christ is honored by our enjoying Him more than anything else. How does this play out in your life when life goes wrong? you focus your eyes on the ultimate and final joy you have in Christ. Even when death is knocking at our door, we do not forget that if we are Christ, we have nothing but the best of days ahead of us. For the Christian, the best is truly yet to come. No matter how grand it goes here, Christ is coming. Redemption, renewal, is coming. If you are his, you are his forever. And what faith in the gospel has given you is the promise that to depart like this life is to be with Christ, which is not loss for you. Maybe for those you leave, they lose something, but it is not lost for you to go on. It is gain. And when life goes right, how do we how does this play out? Every good thing coming your way as a Christian comes to you as a gift from your father in heaven. So the better job comes, the better pay comes, the, the relationship goes well, you make a new friend, whatever it goes on, you rejoice in what it allows you to do to, father, to further the name of Christ. If the report is good, so you don't go and they, and they say, it's not cancer, it's not anything, it's a good report. What do you do? You say, this is great news, but it is nothing. Even, even in that news, I reflect it all back up to my joy that is in the gospel. And when life is regular, life is bad. Life is good. When life is regular, you focus your joy on Christ. You honor Christ when you go to the grocery store because you're grateful to be able to do so. You're looking for providential encounters to build relationships up, spread the gospel. But if nothing happens, you are glad to fulfill the simple role God has for you because your final joy is not in who you are or what you do, but whose you are. Your final joy isn't in your life, what you do, what you've done, what you accomplish. Your final joy is in Christ. You can mow the yard and glorify God by being settled in the reality that even the most boring of tasks do not define you. You are a part of the family of God. You can change diapers. You can sit in an office and do paperwork. You can walk around in circles all day with a bag on your shoulder, sweating like crazy and putting pieces of paper in people's mailboxes. And he can do it to the glory of God because those are not the things that define you. Your joy is not tied up in a job or a position or any fleshly reality. Your joy is that because of the work of Christ, you have a treasure that can never be taken. As we come to communion to the table, as the communion table this morning, this is a feast of joy. We take these symbols as a reminder of our union with Christ. He has brought our deliverance. We are his and never to be taken from him. We turn from the thousand other things we've sought joy in and turn to the one true place of joy in this good news of a Savior who brings to us the joy of the Father that we've all really been searching for. Let's pray. Father, give us eyes and hearts that rejoice in this good news for what it is good news. God, I long... For this church to be a joy-filled church in the face of whatever may come our way. And that's a joy that can only come through union with your Son, union to you through your Son. Father, we repent of trusting and searching for a thousand lesser joys. Help us as we come to the table this morning to settle our hearts on the one true joy that is found in your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Pray these things.